Hi everyone, I'm Richard Torbell, owner of UK-based digital marketing agency Dandelion Social and the host of Mastering Marketing, which is the podcast that you're listening to right now. And this is episode two. This week, we're going to be talking about iPhone X, the use of emojis in business conversations, and how to follow up properly after networking. So stick with us. So unless you live under a rock, you will have noticed that this week, Apple announced this year's range of iPhones. Uh, We had the iPhone 8 and the 8 Plus, and although they will sell in their many millions, the model that everybody is talking about is the iPhone 10. Uh, don't call it the iPhone X like I did in the introduction. It is the iPhone 10. So you might be asking yourself, well, what happened to iPhone 9? Um, well, they haven't come out and said it explicitly, but I think it's pretty obvious that this year is the 10th anniversary of the iPhone and they wanted an iPhone 10 to commemorate that. It's a big Uh, birthday for them so I don't really blame them Um, and it's a very very impressive device Um, you know it's got edge-to-edge display Um, it's a a beautiful design Uh, it's got a fantastic processor within inside it Um, but of course the functionality that everybody is talking about is the new face ID authentication system so the home button that everybody has known since the very beginning of iPhone 10 years ago um, has now disappeared, uh, which means that the Touch ID uh, authentication and unlocking system that we've been used to for the past few years has gone with it um, to be replaced with this Face ID uh, authentication and scanning system, um, which is a very technically clever uh, system. But of course, when uh, Apple or any other company like them um, make these significant changes um, along with it brings all of the concern um, about privacy and all of those elements um, and I just wanted to kind of um, touch on those uh, briefly um, because you know you might be asking yourself well you know this is a marketing podcast what has iPhone 10 got to do with marketing well of course you know we are inherently tied to our smartphones to our technology um, and people will buy these in their millions and people will use them for their social media people will use them to create content for their marketing um, so there is a direct connection between the two the two devices um, and because of this significant change this new system you know there are people out there um, that are concerned about you know what's happening with that data you know my face is being scanned in you know who can access that information where is it being sent you know is it being used in ways that I don't want it to be used well the answer to that question is no it's not um, and we we have to understand first and foremost that Apple is a company that's interested first and foremost in selling hardware selling products you know it wants you to buy iPhones and iPads and Apple watches and MacBook Pros and all that kind of stuff it's not really interested in your data you know historically that's always been the case you know all of our iMessages and all that kind of stuff um, is is encrypted and Apple can't even access that data even if it wants to of course there was a situation in the news uh, a while ago about just that when they were asked by the US government to provide information that they couldn't actually provide and the same thing is going to be 
the case with Face ID. Um, you know, they, the information that uh, that will be driven by that uh, authentication system uh, is stored on the iPhone. It never leaves the iPhone. In fact, it's stored in a specific chipset away from all the other chipsets on the iPhone. Uh, so if we were to ever get a rogue app developer or something, uh, access the information on our phone, um, it wouldn't be able to access that uh, Face ID uh, data. Um, so, you know, if you're thinking about purchasing an iPhone 10, um, don't be concerned about that. I'm not um, an Apple fanboy necessarily. I will criticize them um, where it's, it's appropriate. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're concerned about the privacy, uh, don't be. But do, do let me know what your thoughts are. Um, are you thinking of purchasing an iPhone 10? Uh, are you impressed with this new functionality? Um, is the cost of it just too high and you're not going to worry about it? Maybe you're going to wait for the, the next iPhone for that technology to trickle down and get that one. But do call into the show. Let me know what you think. Um, and I'll be certain to reply to your call-ins. I want to make this podcast a two-way street. So let me know what you think. So the next thing I want to talk about in this week's podcast is the use of emojis in business conversations. And so what I want to talk about this. Well, uh, recently I started a thread on my LinkedIn profile asking people whether they felt that the use of emojis in business conversations was appropriate or not. Um, And I didn't expect to get the amount of replies that I did. And I didn't expect that the opinions would be so polarised. People seemed to be either very for it or very against it. Um, There was one particular chap um, who was extremely anti the idea of using emojis um, in business conversations. So much so that he said that he would never work with a business that used them. And this got me thinking. Um, so I, I, I decided to do a little bit of research. So I went online and I looked at the, the major social media platforms and I took a look at the, you know, the big businesses, you know, the Apples, the Moos of this world. I remember um, seeing them, um, a lot of other big businesses. And I looked at whether or not they were using them themselves. Um, and invariably, not every time, of course, um, but invariably, a lot of these big international companies were using emojis in their business conversations, you know, in their status updates, uh, in their communication to their to their customers. Um, and this got me thinking, you know, if you look at a company like Moo, for example, um, you know, they their whole brand is very much driven by, you know, this, this feeling of, of being kind of casual and friendly and fun and laid back. Um, so the use of emojis in, in their content, it makes sense, right? Um, and I think if you had a business that was very um, perhaps uh, emotionally sensitive, then it might not be appropriate. And I think we're all going to recognise that there are going to be those kinds of scenarios. Um, but they're relatively rare, Um you know, you might be a counselling service, for example, you know, where um, it would just feel a bit inappropriate. Um, but for a lot of businesses, um, they are doing it. And I think it's very representative of the way that we communicate with each other now. Um, that it, it is much more personable. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, we, we're not happy and we complain and we're critical of the way that businesses tend to communicate in very sort of sterile 
ways where we don't feel like they're actually listening to us personally you know everything that they put out seems to be like a a well put together press release you know by some PR department somewhere it doesn't feel very honest and genuine um, and I think that uh, if we're able to communicate in a way that does feel much more personable and much more relaxed um, and, and then and emojis are a part of that you know and, and I know that um, personally um, in business conversations um, people have used them with me a lot even people that I don't really know that well um, and I've used them um, back um, as well. And, you know, I've never had anybody say to me that they felt it was inappropriate. Um, I'd like to think that I'm smart enough to realise if that might be the case. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know whether or not it's necessarily a, a bad thing. I think it's very representative of the way that we communicate now. Um, what do you think? Let me know. Um, do you use them? Do you do you use emojis in business conversations, whether it's status updates or whether it's internal messages with people? Do you use them? Do people use them to you? Have you noticed that this is a big deal? Does it bother you? Do you think that it's a good thing? Um, or do you think, uh, like the chap on the LinkedIn thread, uh, that you would never use them ever and you think it's um, a sign of impending doom for our society. Um, do call into the show, let me know. I'm interested to hear what you think. Uh, do you care about the use of emojis in business conversations? So last, um, but by no means least for this week's podcast, um, I want to talk about how to follow up properly after going to a business networking event. Um, and the reason I want to talk about this is because I do quite a lot of networking. Um, not all networking events are created equally, but I've been doing it long enough now to know which ones seem to work quite well for me. Um, and I still see people making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And I just want to talk very briefly um, about um, what kind of things people do that they shouldn't do and what kind of things that they should be doing. Um, to give themselves a better chance of developing the conversations further. Um, I do go into a lot of detail about this topic um, on a blog post that I've just uh, launched today. It's actually a two-part blog post. Um, you can find it by going to our website, dandelionsocial.com. Um, and uh, part one is now live. Uh, part two is going to go uh, next week. But um, what happens to me quite a lot, um, two things. Um, Firstly, um, I get a lot of people um, who will come up to me, they will not know anything about me, don't know what I do, they will shove a business card under my nose and they will proceed to pitch their business to me. Now, if you've ever been to a business networking event, I'm absolutely convinced this has happened to you. I hope that you're not one of those people that actually do it. If you are, then you definitely need to go out and read my blog post. Um, but this is just not what networking is about. You know, networking is about developing relationships. Networking is not about going and pitching your services to other people. You know, you know nothing about them. You don't have any idea of what is important to them. Um, you know, I one guy I remember uh, came up and started pitching website design services, uh, which we kind of already cover ourselves, so we're not really looking for anyone else. But he made a big deal out of the fact that, you know, he was the cheapest in the area. Uh, and for us and for our clients, being the cheapest isn't the most important thing. You know, for us, it's much more about providing the right solution. So 
immediately and he was talking about something that just was not relevant to me whatsoever even though he made this big deal about it right so it's really important um that you know when we go and we start a conversation it's just a very natural conversation try and find out about them because ultimately it's not about you it's about them you know and the reason that this is really important is because the information that they give you will help you when you have to come and follow up. Now, we always recommend that people follow up. Uh, I have an internal rule um, that my follow-up has got to be uh, within a day, within 24 hours. But I used to really struggle when I sat down and I, and I had a conversation with someone the, the evening before or the day before, and I'm writing my email, and I'm like, I just don't know what to say to this person. You know, I don't want to be one of those guys that just, you know, tells them about how great I am and why they should come and work with us because I just that's not I knew that wasn't relevant you know I knew it wasn't appropriate so I ended up doing what a lot of people do is that they either they don't do anything you know and of course not doing anything at all um, is not a good idea either so I, f I figured out after a while you know because I am a slow learner um, I figured out after a while that the best thing that you can do um, is put yourself in a situation where you really know what is important to them you know, and then you can help them with the thing that they're struggling with. You know, so um, I would have a conversation with them about their business, and I would ask lots of questions. I'd be genuinely curious and genuinely interested. And people would tell me stuff, and they would tell me that, oh, you know, I've been doing Facebook, and, and but not really getting anywhere, or I have a Twitter account, but I don't really use it. How can I grow it? You know, and all this kind of stuff. If any, only someone would be able to help me out. You know, and I'm not then using that as a way of going, oh yeah, hire us and we'll, we'll tell you how to do it. But because we are very content driven and we've got a lot of articles on our website, invariably I am going to have a piece of content that I can share with them, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a video, whether it's a blog post, uh, that I can put in my email the next day um, and send it over to them that will help them. Um, and that's a brilliant way of starting a conversation. The other mistake that people make when they uh, go networking and they follow up after going networking is that they don't have a structure in place to follow up with somebody long term. You know, the sales process is much, much longer now than it's ever been before. And of course, we also have to understand that you know, you're going to talk to people at a networking event and the vast majority of people, vast, vast majority of people are not going to be in a position where they need what you have at that moment in time. Um, and this is where pitching to people at networking events is really, really a bad idea for, for this very reason. So what we need to do is we need to kind of date people a little bit, you know, in, a, in an online business sense. You know, we need a way of being able to give value to people over a long period of time. So, you now I touched on the fact that, you know, if you know uh, something that is uh, bothering somebody and you can help them with some, with some content, then they'll, they'll read that content. You never know, they might come back to you let you know whether they found it helpful that might start a conversation and that's great but it's also likely that they will read that content they'll find it useful and they won't do anything about it so what do you do to prevent this from happening and what you do is you create with your content 
what we call a content upgrade. Um, and when we tell people about this, like light bulbs come on, you know, and they go, that makes so much sense, right? So what's a content upgrade? So let's say, for example, um, that, you know, I'm writing, I use this example all the time, right? Let's say I'm writing a blog post on the importance of content marketing strategy and content marketing planning. So the person's reading that article, they totally understand the importance of it. Within that article, and it has to be within that article, there is an opt-in form where they can download for free a spreadsheet planner to help them lay out what content they're going to post on what platform at what time, right? So it's the logical next step, yeah? So to do that, they have to opt in. So they have to put their name and their email address. Everyone's seen opt-in forms. They put those that information in. They get that planner. They can carry on. They can take the next step. But that then puts them on your email list, which puts you in a situation where you can then stay in touch with them over a period of time uh, and then kind of be top of mind, continue to give them value, to continue to give them content on a weekly basis usually um, that kind of it nurtures them right so they they might be thinking actually this is really helpful this is really useful i'm not i'm not ready to buy i don't need to buy i don't need to hire these guys right not right now you know but i'm actually finding this content really helpful it's not salesy it's valuable and it's helpful to me right and if you've got a way of of writing that's interesting and engaging or if you've got a way of doing podcasts or videos that people will find interesting just be yourself is the kind of key here then uh, people are going to want to engage with that content. And then it might be that 12 months down the line, 18 months down the line, two years down the line, whatever it might be, that they need you. Who are they going to remember? Right? They're going to remember you because they get your content all the time. And you put them on your mailing list by giving them something that was valuable. After a conversation that you had at a networking event, after you asked them some, about something to do with them that they were struggling with. So you can like reverse engineer the process a little bit, right? Yeah, and this is how you develop conversations. And it might not be them that needs what you do. It might be that they've read, you know, a whole bunch of your emails and then they pass it on to somebody else because they know it's going to help them, right? Because you've now put yourself out there as somebody that cares about other people and is not in it for selfish reasons, right? Does this make sense? So if you want to go and find out more information and find the other, I think there's another four or five tips. Uh, go check out the blog post, uh, dandelionsocial.com. Um, let me know what your experiences are with networking, whether it's someone that's come up to you uh, and made your life difficult and gone about it in the, the wrong way, um, or whether you've had a really positive um, experience with networking. Let me know according to the show. Um, so this has been episode two of the Mastering Marketing podcast. Thank you very much for listening and have a great week. And I will see you next week for episode three. Three.